This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. We're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bernie, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hello. Gotta continue. I just got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to her treatment and I'm trying to get the rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific, and Kadarius Tony was born in Central Time. That means it's time for the debut debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Ace, and I'm Felix Sharp on a rested and refreshed version of tonight's show. Is the 2021 class good? Is 101 too early for Kyle Pitts and rookie drafts and Jamison Wilson, Jamison Williams, transfers to Alabama? But we start with snarky Austin Nace, who has been on a roll lately. Austin, shortly after the draft was completed last week, you tweeted, reminder, if you're moving up around, if you're moving guys around at this point based solely on landing spot, stop what you're doing. If it's based on draft capital, that's a different story. Austin, what's up, man? We People can't change their rankings based on landing spot? I mean, they can. And honestly, I prefer that they do because that's how I end up with A.J. Brown everywhere. Um I think by now we should have learned our lesson. No, you don't move guys based on landing spot. I understand breaking a tie between two guys. You know, if one lands in an extremely favorable position, one lands, you know, on the equivalent of the moon for fantasy purposes. I get it. But beyond that, I think just what we should know and what we should realize after the past, you know, four or five years of doing this is that us as people that are not involved in the NFL in any sort of capacity we cannot predict things like changes in play calling, personnel, both coaching or otherwise, or just dumb luck. We cannot predict any of those things, and I think trying to do that is futile. I will not address that. I've already gotten reamed on Twitter enough this week, so we're not talking Kadarius Tony at all tonight. 
But if you look at the last three years of guys that have been moved, that have moved substantially based on landing spot, just immediately post-draft 2018, Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Anthony Miller were the biggest movers in ADP following the draft. Do we want any of those guys in our fantasy team? No. 2019, Paris Campbell, Daryl Henderson, Miko Hardman. Do we want any of those guys in our fantasy team? No. 2020, CEH, Denzel Mims, Keyshawn Vaughn. Jury's probably still out a little bit on those guys, but can we all agree, at least right now, we are we we know already that they were probably overdrafted. CEH was going freaking 101 over guys like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift solely. Yes, I'm going to get to that in a minute here, Jeff. Uh, so, you know, who, who are the guys this year that are doing that? I think one is going to, uh, well, I, it goes both ways. Trey Sermon is the big one. Ryan McDowell, uh, Mr. DLF himself tweeted out uh, a couple of hours ago per May dynasty ADP at DLF 49ers rookie Trey Sermon has a fifth round start of ADP. What are we doing? What are we doing that you're going to take a guy who was a fourth round draft pick who Basically, every team he was on before Ohio State this year with no one else in the backfield to compete at all was usurped every year. A freshman year, Kennedy Brooks and those guys all surpassed him. Sophomore year, same exact thing. He was never better than anybody in any of these backfields. And now because he's on San Francisco, which is supposed to be this magical oasis of fantasy production, we're bumping these guys. Stop what you're doing. Draft capital is different. If you thought a guy was going to go in the first round and he went in the sixth, okay, maybe it's time to fade. But to move these guys around, and this is this is a Rashad Bateman rant. Go get yourself some Rashad Bateman. Go get yourself some Rashad Bateman, please. Uh, the angle that I'm taking it taking is football teams are just work environments, and some work environments are better than others. And so, all things being equal, I'm going to prefer a, a better work environment than a poor one. So, you said Rashad Bateman. I mean the. Ravens organization is a well-run organization, despite what you may think about his potential fantasy production and pairing with Lamar Jackson. I kind of trust them. It's the same thing with Kyle Shanahan. Um, And so I don't have a problem with someone saying, well, well, Kyle Shanahan picked Trey Lance. um, So I'm going to rank him ahead of Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, because I believe in that pairing. I believe in the work environment that they're, that they're creating. And And this is like, Football teams, they're, they're just workplaces, and everyone has their own opinions about their own workplaces, their own workplace, whether it's good or bad or for whatever reasons. And, um, yeah, if you can – in fantasy, if you can choose uh, a team or an organization that it has a history or track record for production, that should absolutely influence your rankings. The same way if you have – if there's a team or – uh, an organization that's known for not being particularly productive, then that sh- you should. I think that you should fade that player. Again, all things being equal, I'm not going to jump um, Trey, uh, Trey Sermon to the top three of my rankings. I'm not going to move. You know, the guy that uh, the Iowa State running back that the Vikings took. He's not going to uh, move highly in my rankings based on where he was taken. But when you're talking about the like, for example, the top four quarterbacks, Mac Jones. Trey Lance, Kyle, uh, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. Yeah, I feel really good about the pairing of Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance, and I think that it's okay to use that um, uh, uh, to use San Francisco's history in developing quarterbacks or getting the most out of their players and, and ranking that particular position. Burning, what do you think? What do you think about what do you think about this? 
I think I'm, I lean more with you, Felix, than I do Austin here. I, I agree for the most part with Austin that it shouldn't be a dramatic shift in what we're seeing with Trey Sermon. Most of us had him right around RB4, 5, 6 in this draft class. Just because he lands with San Francisco doesn't mean he should jump Travis Etienne and Javante Williams based on landing spot. But I do think it's fair to say shift him up above Kenneth Gainwell because he went to Philadelphia. Like, I do think there's nuance in some of that. You know, Rondale Moore, he's a guy that I know both of you guys had as your wide receiver one. If he would have gone to, I don't even know, a team. I'm trying to think of a really bad team. If you'd have gone to, like, a Jacksonville Jaguars, where they've already got all these other wide receivers, they've got a, you know, talks about putting LaVisca Chanel in that role, and then he goes there as well. I don't think that's as great a landing spot for him as it is an Arizona Cardinals team where they're going to have four wide receivers on the field at all times. They just lost Kenyon Drake, where Rondell Moore can now work in that area. He can get some extra carries there with, with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. He's got Kyler Murray. He worked in the short area. So landing spot is not something that's going to jump a, I guess, a player into a new tier for me. It may drop someone close to dropping out of a tier, but I'm not jumping a person like a Trey Sermon or like like Austin mentioned earlier, uh, a Rashad Penny, a Royce Freeman, who weren't ranked that high by some of us when they came out, but because of the landing spot, some people jumped them up into their tier ones or high-end tier twos. But I do think landing spot has to matter some because while A.J. Brown – I think is an outlier in a way we haven't always seen that those guys have worked out based on talent. We've seen a lot of guys who are really talented go to crowded depth charts or like you mentioned there, Felix, bad work environments and bad teams and not work out. And some of that, I think we also, they had like oh, Corey Davis went to Tennessee, all the talent in the world. Everybody thought he was going to be a really good wide receiver and it has not panned out. Has he become a productive wide receiver? Yes, but he's not been at all what we thought. And maybe it was just a weak draft class because I, I, it was not a great draft class overall. But Corey Davis was a top three probably wide receiver for everybody in that draft class. Goes to Tennessee and nobody faded him. And maybe we should have because we didn't think Marcus Mariota was a very good quarterback. So I think it should matter some, but it should not be something that completely overhauls your rankings or you should base your rankings solely on landing spots. It's, it definitely has an impact because we can't say, all right, uh, Lincoln Riley recruited this cl- kid. We need to pay attention to him. Or Steve Sarkeesian is getting this kid. We need to pay attention to him. If we believe that those things are true because those coaches are known for getting the most out of a particular position, then then yes, we believe generally in the theme that landing, landing spot matters. Um, uh, to, to, make, to draw another analogy, if you've ever said, I hate my job, I want to go somewhere else and do the same thing, then you think that landing spot matters. They're just – NFL teams, are, again, are just workplaces, um, uh, even though everybody's playing football. Austin, any final thoughts before we move on here? Uh, no, I'll just get too worked up. <clears throat> so, well, That's what we're here for. That's exactly what this show is for, is for you to get worked up. I think you're the only one who's never yelled on this show, Austin, so just let it rip. Let it rip. Me and Felix have both yelled. You've always been the calm one. Let it go. All right, get the bleeper ready. No, no, I don't really have anything else to say. I think, you know, whatever people think about this, you can go ahead and continue to do that. Like, in, in an environment where, what, if a front office talent evaluator is batting, you know, is 60%, that's really good. And we're not going to question anything about anything they ever do. You know, I see, I've seen a lot of that the past couple of days on Twitter too. Well, they're an NFL front office. They know things you don't. It's like, okay. It's like the people that sit at home and say, I could have hit that baseball because that guy, you know, like it, it, it's, that no one's infallible here. At the end of the day, you know, they have a little more information, but uh, they have a lot more information, but I, 
if if you have all that information, and you're still only you know doing sixty percent you know uh, well at your job. I'm not sure that's something that I am going to tie myself to. Speaking of landing spot, Austin, is there a case? And we asked Matt Waldman this on our uh, draft coverage. Is there a case for Trey Lance over Trevor Lawrence in this class? I think there's a case. I don't agree with it, but I, I think there definitely is one. You know, he has more rushing upside. Um, you know, tools wise, I think he had just raw physical tools. I think he has everything that Trevor Lawrence has. Um, and he probably is going to a team that has more weapons around him. You know, I, I kind of like DJ Chark and I kind of like Chanel and they, they went out and you know, got somebody else in that backfield to give them two good backs. But I'm not sure that Trump's, you know, like a, a and Kittle and Debo and, and some of that. So, um, I think there's an argument. I still think tr- Trevor Lawrence, like if, if you're looking at their spectrum of, you know, what their possible outcomes. I think even if Trey Lance, you know, his bar goes a little bit further, is the likelihood that that good that he's going to hit that little bit further ahead than Trevor Lawrence? I I don't think so. I, not that I'd be willing to bet on. Um, So, but I, but I do think there is a case. So if somebody was, was to do that, you know, or, you know, I've seen a lot of people that they have that one one and they trade down a couple spots for a haul and then take Trey Lance. I can't knock somebody for doing that. Matt, if somebody says I'm more comfortable taking Trey Lance and and Kyle Shanahan as opposed to Daryl Bevel and Trevor Lawrence, you got a problem with that? No, uh, I've said from the beginning Trey Lance was the last guy in my tier one there behind. I've said multiple times I've had fields above Lawrence, so why would it be a stretch to put Lance above Lawrence? No, I I, uh, I actually would go as far as to say I think I would do it. I mean, I'm looking at some of Russell Wilson's stats with Daryl Bevel, and really the last two years he was he was good with them, but not great. I mean, Matt Matthew Stafford, who I mean, Felix, you're a Detroit Lions fan. I think Matthew Stafford's been a really good quarterback, and yet I don't feel like they ever really allowed him to just kind of air it out. I mean, it's great. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good prospect. I keep hearing all this crap on the radio about he's the best passing prospect since Andrew Luck, and I don't believe that part either. I just don't think Daryl Bevel's really going to let him let it loose, and Urban Meyer's never done that to begin with. Neither has Daryl Bevel. So I don't know where everybody keeps getting this idea that Trevor Lawrence is going to be this massive and wonderful fantasy prospect. Now, I get it. Trey Lance is probably not going to start this year. If he does, it's going to be later in the year. I have no doubt Jimmy G won't start at the beginning of the year. But one thing I will say, we talked about it with Nick Whalen a lot on uh, that Friday of the draft coverage where a lot of people, I think, are overrating Kyle Shanahan a little bit. If you really go back and look at his record, and he's only been into one – or he's been into two Super Bowls. He's actually – for all this offensive genius we give him, he calls games very conservatively. I mean, it's cost him two Super Bowls because of the way he's called games conservatively. I, I don't know if Lance is going to run the ball as much as we think he will going to, but he definitely has the rushing upside. But I trust in those weapons more. I trust in that offensive game plan that he puts together. Altogether, uh, yes, I, I don't see an issue with it whatsoever. If you took Trey Lance over him or, or Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, I don't see an issue with it one bit. I think it, it's all based on that coaching uh, we don't obviously we don't know that Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel will be with Trevor Lawrence for his entire career, but at least for the next couple of years they will be. And so yeah, if I had to guess, I would uh, say they'll be there for a couple of years. I would stick with with Trey Lance over them and roll with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think part of the let Russ cook came from the way that Daryl Bevel was at least you know one one of the offensive coordinators there. The way that they were calling plays, I mean that that's kind of where it comes from. Um, and uh, you know Trey Lance is my quarterback too. 
So if somebody says, I'm going to take Lance over Lawrence, and you got to think about how they're going to be used in the long term, I think that both of them are rushers early on in their careers, but that probably is the more driving force of Trey Lance's game, especially being used around the goal line. Um, and we also don't really – we only saw one season of Trey Lance, so we don't know what his upside is. And so if someone says, you know, I, I feel more comfortable taking the San Francisco 49ers than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not going to knock them for it. Go to our uh, t- Twitter page at Debbie debate. We've um, uh, posted a whole bunch of polls for today's show, including should landing spot influence fantasy rankings. Let us know what you think and go rate the podcast. Give it five stars. Go to our YouTube page, Campus to Canton. Type in Campus, the number two Canton. Hit the notification bell so you can know every time we go live. Speaking of landing spot again, um, we finally have the 2021 rookie running back class in in their landing spots. Najee Harris goes to Pittsburgh, Travis Etienne, Jacksonville, Javante Williams, uh, Denver, Trey Sermon, San Francisco, Michael Carter, New York, Ramondre Stevenson, New England, Shuba Hubbard to Carolina, Kenneth Gainwell, Philadelphia. I think those are the the players that matter. I'm sorry. uh, I'm not sure that that Elijah Mitchell matters, but uh, Matt, um, are you going over two over or under 2.5 running backs from the 2021 class who ever, ever capture one RB1 season, so top 12 throughout their careers? Uh, I'm going to go over. Uh, the last three years, we've seen two rookie running backs uh, finish in the top 12 um, of the fan- fantasy position at the running backs. Uh, you know, going even back to Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. Why well, I liked both of those guys, I didn't really like Josh Jacobs. All three of them have now done it. And I, I think it's fair, at least in my opinion, to say, even though I don't love Travis Etienne, I think he's in that group of, of prospect value evaluation for me. I put Najee and Javante right at the top of that group, if not better than those three. Uh, do any of them finish up there this year? I don't think so. Obviously, Javante's buried. Travis Etienne, I think, is kind of buried. I could see Najee getting there. But I also think we're going to see some guys sneak up in there, whether it's uh, Miles Sanders goes down and Kenneth Gainwell gets a ton of run in a couple years and ends up getting there because of his pass-catching ability, whether it is a Trey Sermon with Moster and Jeff Wilson getting hurt, so they just rely on Trey Sermon for everything, and he finishes that year. There's enough talented backs in this class that I think to get three of them over their entire careers, one year as an RB1 finish, I would take the over. Austin? I think over. I actually voted under on the pool when I first um, saw it on on there. Um, But then I've been thinking about it. And, yeah, I think, you know, we've seen like a, you know, a, a CMC go down early in the year and his backup have success. You know, if he goes down like week two, who's to say that Chuba Hubbard you know, isn't going to get the touches in that offense. I don't think that highly of him, but you know, like, so <clears throat> I think if, if we think that Najee is going to do it for sure, and then probably one of the next two guys is going to do it for sure. If not both, you know, there's your three, but I, I, I could see a, a season where just one of these guys, <clears throat> you know, Michael Carter, if everybody, you know, get, you know, somebody gets banged up there and he sees more touches than he thought he was going to see that stuff happens all the time. So I think it's over. Um, but I, if you had said three and a half, that would make me think, cause I'm not sure if I see four of them doing it or not. That would be close. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot to be an RB one in fantasy. You just really need the opportunity. Um, the thing is, is like with the last year's class, obviously we would take over. There's like seven guys in that class. I think that all of those guys 
uh, in the 2020 class are going to be RB1s. And then we've got, you know, guys like Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott who are probably on their last legs of being RB1s. And, and the 2022 class, I, I'm not sure. Maybe there's one or two guys that can produce RB1 seasons. But, you know, the next big running back class is going to be 2023. It, you know, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with uh, over, but it's probably slightly over. Um, I just don't know how I feel about this class overall. I don't know in, in my dynasty drafts how many of these running backs I'm going to have at their value. Um, Najee Harris feels safe, but I don't know what the future is going to be like for him. Javante Williams, I, I see a little bit of David Montgomery in him. And then I'm not a huge fan of, of Travis Etienne. Um so I'm not going to own Travis Etienne in any league. So I'm going to go with uh, with over, but just slightly, just slightly. More rookie talk here. Um, Kyle Pitts, according to recent MFL data, uh, he has a 103 ADP. We, uh, uh, Ryan McDowell just posted some trades that Kyle Pitts is going for, and we'll get to we'll get to those trades here in a second. But Austin is 101, just just too high for the dynamic uh, uh, Atlanta tight end? I think, I mean, all of these kinds of questions depend on, um, you know, team composition and and things like that as well. You know, even if you ignore scoring settings, you you said any format, I think still, you know, if I'm a, if I'm just a, if I'm in a total rebuild and I have no quarterbacks, I could never take Kyle Pitts over some of these guys. I think that's basically malpractice. Um, as you deal with your team, the tight end would be like the last piece that I'm trying to look for if I'm building up from nothing. Um, if I'm if I'm a contender and maybe I lucked into an early pick, then maybe I still think that you're better off moving out of there and trying to take them, you know, a pick two or three or four. Um, I don't think that any tight end is because we, we were talking about this a little before the show and we can kind of just pose this to, you know, everybody listening. What is the best quarterback that you would trade tra- uh, straight up for Travis Kelsey? Like, you know, six years ago, assuming that you knew what Travis Kelsey was going to be, you know, it, and then do you think Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Fields or Trey Lance will be above that line uh, for their careers? I, I think that, yes, for me, you know, I wouldn't trade any wor- you know, uh, worse than like QB9, QB10 for, or any better than like QB9 or QB10 for, for a Travis Kelsey straight up. So, and I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will both be above that in their careers. So I, that would put them at at least a one three for me. I mean, we, we've seen this, I think twice, you know, at least in my lifetime with this type of player, one was Vernon Davis. The other was Evan Ingram. And I'm not talking, I'm not saying, I think Vernon Davis was every bit the prospect that Kyle Pitts was maybe not Evan Ingram, but Evan Ingram was used as a wide receiver uh, at Ole Miss and, you know, everyone thought, all right, he's going to be, he's going to move. He's going to be used as a wide receiver in the NFL and just never was. So, um, and and as good as Travis Kelsey is, he's not really used as a wide receiver either. He's used as a tight end. He's used over the scene for, for Kyle Pitts to return the value um, that you would want at 101, 102, 103. I mean, he would have to spend a lot of time and be used as a wide receiver, be somebody who could potentially catch, 80 90 90 balls and I just and, and go over 1200 yards I that's not something I'm going to bet on so if I'm considering 101 for Kyle Pitts I mean trade back to number five get another first and I feel like that's the move there Bruning what do you think 
Yeah, uh, I tend to agree with both of you on this. The one thing I'll say, I guess, in favor of Kyle Pitts is everybody believes that he's he's going to be this unicorn that we've never seen before. And so I don't think you're wrong to bet on that. I think tight end is the only other position besides quarterback that if you are really good at your job at being a tight end, you can do everything. You can last in the NFL longer than running backs, longer than wide receivers. We've seen it now with Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to keep playing for a long time. We saw it with Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. Even if those guys tend to slow down with Kyle Pitts' size and his explosive abilities, he could still probably play and lose some of that speed and still be a red zone monster and play into his 40s like we see some quarterbacks go. So I don't think you're losing out on the value on that side of things and possibly getting a, a you know wide receivers we can typically talk about not being anywhere near a top guy at age 30, running backs after those first contracts. So Kyle Pitts is a guy who will uh, clearly, in my opinion, because I do believe he is that unicorn is going to extend that, but Passing up on a Justin Fields, or I'll, to answer your question, answer or Austin, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, I would not, I could not take Pitts over them. I, I again, I'm not trying to shit on Trevor Lawrence. I would not argue you taking him over Trevor Lawrence. I just don't think he's going to be that great there in Jacksonville. So for me, I'm with Austin. I think you just said at 103, and I've said that before. I said it back when I, I said Kyle Pitts going to have the greatest tight end season for a rookie of all time. And I'm still on that train. I'm not jumping off of it. Uh, I think I'd be more than comfortable. I said it back on that episode. I'll say it here again, more than comfortable at 103 taking him. But at 101, I mean, you would have to be set at quarterback, in my opinion, to be willing to take him there. Like you've got to have Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott is your third QB in a super flex to feel comfortable taking a Kyle Pitts at 1-1. Burning really quick. Uh, these are a couple of trades from Ryan McDowell. Kyle Pitts or Saquon Barkley? Uh, Barkley. I think Barkley still got at least five years left. Awesome. If awesome. I'm a really if I'm a really bad team, I think I'd rather have Kyle Pitts. Because what's Saquon going to do for you in the next year or two before he hits the AJ Apex for a running back? The <laughs> I think you could get more back from him if he comes back oh. and balls out this year, and then you trade him. Uh, that that would be my thinking on it. Is because I have Barkley in a couple places, and one of them is a rebuild. My hope is comes out three or four really good games, and then you sell him for multiple first-round picks. So that that would be why I would still lean Barkley. That, that's Austin. a good point. I was just thinking like someone to put a gun to your head and made you choose one of those two sides. But, yes, that is a very fair point. <clears throat> Austin, Kyle, Kyle Pitts or Amari Cooper, Kadarius Tony in the 6-12? Um, well, I'm I'm just never going to have Kadarius Tony anywhere based on principle at this point. So I'll take the other side. <laughs> Uh, uh, Bruning, Kyle yeah. Pitts in a 2022 second or Travis Kelsey, Tyler Boyd in, uh, uh, Rojo. Oh, you Ronald don't even Jones. have to finish that. Give me, give me Travis Kelsey and Tyler Boyd. I love Kyle Pitts, but geez, Travis Kelsey still a couple more years. And I think Boyd's still really good wide receivers. So uh, Austin, really quick. Tell me how, uh, Kyle Pitts may have affected the dynasty value of his quarterback, Matt Ryan. Would you rather have Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford in Dynasty? I'd rather have Stafford still. <clears throat> and I was actually really surprised at how, at least last time I looked at the pool on Twitter, it was like 85% Stafford, which actually surprised me a little bit because I do think, you know, Atlanta has some really good weapons in their own right. Obviously, Julio aging a little bit, but you have Ridley, you have uh, Pitts now too. Russell Gage, you know, he was a fine third receiver last year. Um, <clears throat> they don't really have the running back position figured out, but 
that honestly might be better for fantasy production for Matt Ryan than, than if they did. But I just see Stafford and that McVay offense. And I see what Jared Goff did a couple years ago. And Jared Goff, I'm sorry, Felix, because he's with your Detroit Lions now. Like Matthew Stafford is is infinitely better than Jared Goff. I'm just drooling at what he's going to do in that offense this year. I think a top five fantasy finish for him is not out of the question, even with his basically zero rushing upside. I just I could see him going off for like you know forty plus touchdowns. I think that's going to be a a, a very pass happy offense. Um, and he's younger. He's what three or four years younger than Matt Ryan. Um, so you have to figure he's he got some more tread on the tires there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Matthew Stafford is leading in this poll, sixty-eight percent to to fourteen percent. Um, uh, th- yeah, you mean thirty-four? Yeah, yeah. But sixty-eight, fourteen doesn't add up to a hundred. So eighty-six. Excuse me, I'm reading that backwards. Eighty-six okay. percent to four to fourteen percent. Um, and uh, you know, I thought this would be closer because Matt Ryan has been a, an MVP can or he has an MVP. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, Matt Ryan has an yes. MVP. He's got Julio Jones. He's got Calvin Ridley, and now they're adding Kyle Pitts, and they don't have a rushing game. So, um. I, I just thought that Matt, it might be closer to Matt Ryan, but let us know what you think at Debbie Debate. All right. Um, I want to I want to add in on this because I when this poll when you first posted this poll I was going to go Stafford and then I looked at it. Everyone perceives Matt Ryan is like falling off the past couple of years. He's been right in line with what he's been doing for literally the past decade. Since 2011, he's been passing for over 4,000 yards, 28, 29, 32, 26, 28, 21, 38, 20, 35, 26, 26, all his touchdowns, right around the same in interceptions in 11 to 14 every single year outside of 2015, where he threw 16 interceptions. And you just mentioned it, Felix. He's still got Julio Jones. He's still got Calvin Ridley. Now they're adding Kyle Pitts. I mean, I like Mike Davis. But Mike Davis is not at all what their running backs have been. And I think everybody keeps assuming Arthur Smith is going to come in here and have this run-heavy offense because that's what he had with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. They don't have Derrick Henry in Atlanta, and I don't think he's going to treat Mike Davis like Derrick Henry. I love Matt Stafford. I love that offense. I love my brother Sean McVay. But Matt, they do. His name is Mike. No, shut up. (laughs) One thing we're all kind of overlooking here with Matt Stafford, he suffered a lot of back injuries. And as someone who's getting older, when you mess your back up, that shit doesn't go away. Once you have a back injury, it's always there. And it could be one wrong hit before he's hurt again. You know, I don't think Cooper Cup is going to be anywhere near what we thought he was with Jared Goff. I love Robert Woods. I like Cam Akers. I like that offense. But they also have a really good defense in a really tough division in the NFC West where Atlanta, I think, is actually kind of a surprise contender in the NFC South because I don't think the Saints are going to be that good. I don't think the Panthers are going to be that good. So it's just going to be Tampa Bay, and they have no defense. So Matt Ryan and that offense are going to have to be passing the ball all day long. So I actually think I would take Matt Ryan because you're also going to get him much cheaper in your drafts than you would Matt Stafford. I think that that's actually the answer is that who's the cheapest? And if it's Matt Ryan, then that can be the way to go, especially if you're going to wait on quarterback. But let us know what you think at Debbie Debate, Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford. All right, this is a Debbie show, so let's get to some – There's, I mean, a lot of stuff happened in the last week between the draft and spring games and and, and, and everything else. Um, so let's get to a couple of college football storylines. 
Jamison Williams transfers to Alabama. I know I bumbled his name. I'm so, I was so rusty uh, with the intro, by the way. Like I'm just like, oh my god, I can't read. Oh, uh, I can't just, even. That tell just means names. you can you can just never leave again. Is what that means. I, I I just I just took it for granted that I was going to be able to just go right through the intro without practicing, and uh, that wasn't the case. So Jamison Williams transfers to Alabama. Matt, you know you've kind of been on the out of all of that stacked wide receiver group that it was going to be Jamison Williams and Julian Fleming who were on the outs, and you were right on Jamison Williams. So give us the uh, the I told you so speech. Oh, it's not an I told you so at all. You know, I'm I'm used to being right, so why rub it in? You know, we're we're good to go. So <laughs> I think it's a I really think it's a great opportunity for Jamison Williams. You know, I, I saw a lot of people talk about it. I don't think his dad handled it quite the right way, but you know, I get that. It is what it is. I mean as a as a parent myself, you're overprotective of your kids sometimes. I, I don't think that Ohio State did anything wrong. I, I mean, I understand you want to say that your kid's the best in the country, and I like Jamison Williams, but I'm sorry. I'm taking Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, JSN over him. I just think that they're better prospects. But him going to Alabama, I think it's the perfect fit because they don't have anybody, and I don't even love Mechie that much. I know when we did our wide receiver ranking summit, I was like the lowest guy on him compared to everybody else. Mechie's a very good wide receiver. I think James Williams going in there, he's better than Holden. He's better than Bolden. I don't think any of those other rookie or goddamn it, rookies, freshmen, any of those freshmen are really going to push their way up the depth chart. So I think Jamison Williams is going in. He's going to be an everyday starter. Now, in the likely, I think, into the Z, I think that's where they talk. They'd have Mechie, even if he goes over to the X. I think with him having Bryce Young there and starting, I, I would not be surprised if Jamison Williams has a huge year and – there's a realistic shot that they meet Ohio State in the playoffs and they beat him, and Jamison Williams is going to get the last laugh. But I'm happy for him. I do think he's going to succeed at Alabama. I think it was a great move for him and his family. I mean, last year uh, Alabama had two field stretchers realistically in Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. I don't know that they have that player on the roster now. As good as Ja'Cory Brooks and J- a Guy Hall as we think they are, I think they profile more so as contested catchers, physical guys who are going to go play above the rim. Maybe JoJo Earl is a, is a field stretcher, but um, but – but that is Jamison Williams. I mean, there's no question that that's Jamison Williams, and he could make some money for himself being the guy that's running away from from uh, defenses for Alabama. I've been a big fan of Jamison Williams. On the, as a matter of fact, I said that he was going to have more receptions than any of those 2020 uh, freshmen on Ohio State. That's not, and that still could happen. As a matter of fact, that still could happen with him being uh, at Alabama. Um, it's gonna happen. I think. I don't even think there's a. It could happen. It's gonna happen. I don't. Marvin Harrison's the closest, and he's not gonna get the playing time. Jamison Williams is gonna get. Well, Mar- Marvin Harrison is a 2021 freshman. I mean, out of out of Fleming, oh, you're about J- uh, uh, yeah, G. Scott no. and and uh, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, I think the only then, candidate is is JSN. Yeah, and I'll ask Austin because he's been the biggest guy on JSN. As I'm going to say, I don't see it. I think Olave and Garrett are going to be the top two options in that uh, that passing game. You think JSN can get more targets and more catches than Jameson Williams this year? Yeah, don't they? Don't they pretty heavily? I mean, I know the quarterback will change a little bit, so um, you know, quarterback preference may change a little bit. But I'm pretty sure slots been targeted pretty heavily there the past couple years. I could see Jameson Williams going to Alabama and having like a. 35 catch, 
650 yard four touchdown type season in like a supporting role. I don't think he's going to be the guy there. And they have a lot of like, they have, they have just as many mouths to feed there almost as, as Ohio state does <clears throat> in reality. It's just kind of a different positions Well, they'll target Julio Billingsley heavier than Ohio state will target Ruckert or um, whoever else they have there now. Um, or the running backs like that it looked like from the spring game they want to hit you know the running backs a little bit more so i, I think that that lowers his uh, ceiling in terms of catches so yeah i think jsn would have more more targets and catches than he does this year all right anything else on on jameson williams before we move on all right um one one thing that wasn't you know under the radar the the, the nebraska spring game was either Last weekend or the weekend before, I know that I watched it on YouTube uh, recently. I was watching to catch Xavier Betts, who is a player that I am really high on. Xavier Betts had three targets and didn't play until the second half, and it looks to be well behind the – there's a transfer from, like, Montana or something like that. And then Omar Manning. Um, For those who don't know, Omar Manning is a 6'4", 225-pound wide receiver – uh, who is a field stretcher. He was a four-star prospect as a JUCO transfer from Kilgore Junior College. Um, he's big and he's fast. He can't catch the ball, but he is playing uh, in the in the starting role there. I, I mean, he has the physical tools to be one of these wide receivers who kind of comes out of nowhere uh, uh, as far as his speed, explosiveness. I saw two... First of all, he dropped what would have been what would have been a 60-70 yard touchdown pass. And then there was a play in the back of the end zone where he was wide open. He, he just needed to keep running and he jumped for the ball when it was in front of him as opposed to just keeping his feet moving, which is to me an ind- indication of the wide receiver skill level. Um Austin, I mean, you're the guy who you can spew out anything about these players. Do you have any thoughts on Omar Manning? I mean, I think that I wanted to see – I watched that game so I could watch Xavier Betts. I'm high on him. Debbie Watts is actually high on Xavier Betts too. I had to move De- Xavier Betts down in my rankings, and I had to move Omar Manning way up because of his speed, because of explosiveness, and because of the opportunity that he's going to have to be the lead wide receiver for Nebraska. It's Nebraska, but what are your thoughts on on Omar Manning? Felix, 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 you have such a type – you're so predictable. <laughs> you're Troy O'Mears and you're Omar Mannings and anybody that's 6'4 and 220-something. <laughs> Felix is all about, you know, batting their little eyes at him. <clears throat> um, so I actually – I have Omar Manning on, like, all of my C2C rosters. He was my favorite of the trio of guys they brought in last year between him, Betts, and Fleming. Uh, he was dinged up last year. My big problem, and we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago on uh, Campus Life, is that – I just don't think that offense can support any wide receivers. And I don't even want to say that offense. I want to say, I don't think Adrian Martinez can support a wide receiver. I just, he's not developed at all since a freshman, his freshman year. Um, I think there'll be a run first squad. I mean, he couldn't really make Wandale Robinson work there. Now, granted, they kind of gave him, well, I think that's a chicken and egg thing. They gave him a lot of carries too, but I think it was also because Adrian Martinez couldn't get Wandale the ball. So um, I like him. I mean, at this point he's old though. He's in like his fourth year out of high school, um, you know, in an offense where he's never going to produce. So at some point, you know, does he become an NFL prospect? I don't know. Not that I even know if like Xavier Betts or somebody is going to become one. Like, I just, I don't know what uh, uh, Adrian Martinez is going to get 
Frost fired. He's going to get Frost fired. Frost has hitched his cart to that wagon for too long, and that's it's he's going to go down with that ship. I mean, come on, Bruning. Is there any Adrian Martinez was a very intriguing freshman? Is there a chance that he could bounce back and you know give himself day two draft capital? I hope so, but I kind of am with Austin, and I, I don't think so. When when I was with my uh, former employer, I wrote that I thought he was a, a guy that could be a sneaky uh, guy to pop up in in this draft class. I, I just – he has yet to put it all together. I mean, he's got the arm. He's got the rushing upside. I think he can. Uh, you know, I think Scott Frost coming there, too, is kind of what sold us all on him possibly being able to bring out the best in Adrian Martinez – it hasn't happened. I think if it were to happen, it would be a Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson s meteoric rise uh, for him. And I, I just don't see it with those weapons, that offense. Uh, as much as I'd love to see it, I don't see it happening. I mean, I am the highest out of camps to Canton on him. Me and Alfred are at fifty-two and fifty-four, so we, we we still believe in him a little bit, but it's it's fading faster and faster by the year. I actually just moved him to the same range, and I moved uh, Xavier Betts directly below him. The difference between Omar Manning and Troy O'Meary, though, is that Troy O'Meary can catch. He can catch with one hand. Uh, uh, Omar Manning cannot catch. All right, um, Chris Moxley, get in here. Do we get anything wrong? Uh, Y'all are pretty good tonight. Uh, I will say Austin said Trey Sermon was drafted in round four. He was drafted in round three. Bruning said under Daryl Bevel that Wilson was unproductive in his last couple seasons. Actually, Wilson produced three top four finishes and six top 12 finishes all in six years. And I will say that Matt Stafford. Listen to what I said then. Let him finish. Let him finish. Let him finish. Matt Stafford has only had one back injury causing him to miss eight games, and he's been healthy in nine of his 11 years. (laughs) <laughs> that's gonna be our I show for tonight <laughs> check out the latest written content at campusdecant.com including adp risers and fallers by austin nace first round rapid reaction by colin decker and who to bet on in the cults wide receiver room by matthew fox leave a five-star rating review on, on apple podcast for the debbie debate apologies to kirk herb street we ran out of time we'll get him rescheduled soon and for matt bruning for austin nace i'm felix sharp good night and good luck